Welcome to Rapid Roundup, a series where we take several games throughout the week, do mini critiques on them, and let you know what we think. Throughout all of this, my name is Moriarty. And I'm Brax. And this week, we'll be taking a look at Dread Eye VR, Star Traders Frontiers, The Exorcist, Legion VR, Gladiator School. Later on in the week, on Wednesday, we'll take a look at House Party, a raunchy game that allows you to go to a house party walk around, and try to pick up women. The end goal of House Party is to get laid. If that sounds interesting to you, you don't even know the half of it. And then on Friday, we'll be taking a look at Spark, a VR eSport from the creators of EVE Online. This is probably the first VR title I've seen that could realistically be a spectator eSport. But for now, let's round them up. Dread Eye VR has a really interesting story behind it in that you are an Indonesian shaman. That actually sounds really unique and really cool. I hope that I get to have some sort of powers. I would assume that maybe I can. You get to perform various rituals and have things happen. Okay. Well, that actually makes more sense in a realistic sense. I was just thinking if you take the video game version of being a shaman, maybe you would be able to do a little more than just alchemy. It's really an alchemist's game, and that's okay. You have a book of various rituals that you need to follow, and as you go through the rituals and you complete them, they will summon a ghost. The whole goal of this game is to ultimately commune with the dead. Really? Is there a reason for that? best I can tell is you're kind of emo. Okay, so you're an emo Indonesian shaman. It's certainly an idea that's never come to my mind, and it sounds like an experience that I would have never had before. What's it like? Do you move around a lot, or is it one of those where you kind of just stand there, and you know, you'll look through the book, and then I'll need to reach over here and grab something? Like, is there a lot of movement involved, or is it kind of a stationary experience? It is a completely stationary experience. All you're going to do is follow the book. So you'll light the candles when you're told to light the candles, you'll throw in the various ingredients, and then you will find a ghost, go to the next step, and slowly you're summoning this grand evil beast. How does it feel when the beast or the summoning actually comes? Does it feel kind of worth it? Is that the best part of the game? Is it a climatic moment, you know? I don't really know what it is about horror games and Christmas, but there's a lot of horror games that come out around Christmas, and they all tend to be like the scariest of the scary. This is a scary game if you're afraid of the dark. You're going to have, after every successful mini summoning ritual, the entire world will go completely pitch black, and then you have to find the ghost that's hanging out there, and he might be pretty close to you, and they'll make noises, and they'll walk around. You can't really tell what's going on. The whole thing takes place in a cemetery, which, of course, makes it extra creepy, and it takes place in modern times. So there is stuff that you see. There are Zippo lighters. There's flashlights. There's ambulances. There's stuff that's happening out there in the world while you're making the summoning, so it feels familiar. You're not out of sorts. You're not saying, oh, this is something I can't identify with. And that's part of what really makes it terrifying. Being terrified is certainly one of my favorite feelings in VR because it feels real. It feels more real than it would if you were playing a non-VR title. But I have to admit, aside from that and being spooked looks really cool, I kind of get the feeling that this might be one of those that I would play once or maybe twice, though. The game is $15, and it's based on the universe of Dread Out, which is a another scary game 
that a lot of people have played. It's a very popular non-VR horror title. So you're going to be playing in that universe. I don't know that $15 is really a low enough barrier that I'm going to look at that and say, absolutely, it's a must-buy. But it is really creepy and it's really neat. And if you enjoyed Dread Out and you enjoy that kind of stuff, I think you'll have fun with this game. I think that I would love to play it at least for an hour or two. So the $15 does concern me a little bit in terms of how much I would get out of it. But it does look really cool and I think it's worth checking out. Star Traders Frontiers is a game that lets you be your own space captain and take on a variety of jobs. You can be a smuggler, a pirate, a trader, lots of things to do in this game. And I think it offers a great deal of variety. The problem is none of the things that it offers are spectacular. It's a mixed bag of good without enough great. And I think the weakest part of it is the battle mode, which disappointed me a great deal. But the other parts of it, I actually did get into after a few minutes. And there's lots of customization here. The UI is very difficult, but it's difficult because there are so many different things that you can do. You have factions, you take on missions on different planets, and you make your way throughout the galaxy. All the while having to make sure that your ship has enough fuel and that it stays in good shape and in good repair. You can recruit your crew and steal from other ships that you battle and defeat. Lots of stuff going on here, and it reminded me of being Jean-Luc Picard in a video game or something of that nature. Which is super neat to me. I really like the Star Trader, Space Trader, Freelancer, all of those kind of games where you get to be a merchant going from planet to planet and making money. I've always really enjoyed that style of gameplay. And this is a new, it's an early access one. It has some interesting stuff when I looked at it, but I'm really sad to hear that the combat isn't fun, but... At the same time, I look at it and say, yeah, but I'm probably not going to experience a whole lot of combat if I play this the way that I would want to play it. It's not that the combat isn't necessarily fun. It's just that it's a matter of clicking on things. And the way that the combat works is that you can tell your ship to either move forward or go back. That's one decision you make. The other one is pick what weapons you want to use and that depends on the range and how close you are to the other ship and then you have special talents which are basically perks that you can use to cast buffs on yourself or you know things of that nature they're sort of with a little rpg elements in there and all of that is upgradable and that's the saving grace of the battling it is fun to get upgrades it is fun to make your ship more powerful as time goes along but the idea of sitting on a grid and playing it this way, it just wasn't really doing it for me. But I remember I played a game that was similar to this for a review about three or four months ago. And there was actually a way that you could take it off the grid and into a different point of view and a different field of view that I only discovered after I had reviewed the game and kept playing it a little while longer. So maybe there is a way to change things a little bit rather than just sitting on the grid. But aside from the battling, everything else really is cool. Like you said, you, you enjoy the idea of being a merchant. That is certainly there because this is all about keeping in contact with certain officials on certain planets, making sure you have their favor and picking up missions from them all the while probably making enemies with others while you're doing it. There's three things about this game that excite me a lot. One is the fact that there's political intrigues in this because of the clans and all of that. That's really neat. There certainly is, yes. The second thing is that this is a roguelike, which means that if you die, you're dead. Now, I'm pretty sure that on easy mode that's not true, but on all the other modes, it is a roguelike. Yeah, that's why it's important after every battle to go to the nearest station or planet and make sure that you spend some money 
repairing your ship and making sure that everything's good to go, which really ties economy into this game a great deal. And that's another part of it that I think is really great. For me, this is a game that if you were going to play it, be prepared to spend a lot of hours mastering the user interface and be prepared to really get involved with it or you're not going to have a great time. The third thing that really excites me about this is the developers. This game came out a month ago and in that month it has had 15 different updates and they're all pretty sizable updates and they're all responding to issues that the community that's building itself around this game have complained about. That is always an exciting thing to see. Absolutely, and that excites me a great deal to know that even though they already have a good game, if they're going to continue to work on it, it will be great. I have faith in the potential of the game. It's just at this point, uh, the battling was just yeah, kind of meh for me. Definitely think overall it's a solid experience and definitely one of those games that allows you to do many, many, many things, and it really will pull you in and make you feel like an actual Starship Captain. It is $15, which I think is a totally fair price right now, especially with the developers being willing to continue to work on it, so I totally recommend it. The Exorcist Legion VR is an interactive VR experience taking place in the universe of the Exorcist. It has multiple chapters where each time you go through and fight off a demon. I was wondering when I saw this if it was in the same universe as The Exorcist like the movie, but I'm still a bit confused about that because all I know of is that one movie from back in the 70s. Is there an entire lore or universe for The Exorcist franchise that I'm unaware of? There's several different movies. Most of them are direct to DVD or VHS as it was at the time or I guess now it's blu-ray or maybe it's just straight to digital all of those different films kind of take place in the same sort of thing where you've got a priest or sometimes a detective who is the main character going in and trying to figure out what's going on with somebody who is possessed so is this one of those horror experiences in VR where most of the time you walk around and pick stuff up and look at stuff because that's the experience that I get more times than not when I play VR horror. Yes and no. You are going to go through and you're going to pick up stuff and look at stuff. You play in the first chapter, which is available as a detective who is investigating a series of homicides in a church. And you go to the church and you have to figure out what's going on. And various scary things happen throughout it. It's pretty good at making you scary. That's very important, and it's the one other thing that I wanted to ask you about, because the original Exorcist movie is infamously horrific, and I was wondering, does this live up to the name? Is it really, really scary? I wouldn't say that it's really scary, but it is scary. It's a lot of the kind of jump horror you've kind of come to expect from horror games in general now. There's nothing where you're going to feel like your life is in danger. You're just kind of going through and figuring out what's going on in the world. Each one of the chapters takes 20, maybe 30 minutes to get through, and they're all about $5, which is a pretty good price if you ask me. I actually have come to like it more when games install things in chapters, like with Hitman's a good example, and if they're doing 
doing it that way. I've come to think of it as you can pay $5 and decide, do I like this game? Is it for me? And if it is, then you can go and buy the other chapters. So I do like that way of paying for the game. As it is, I absolutely recommend it. This is a game that was developed for VR. It's not a port. It's nothing like that. There's lots of locomotion options. All of the controls really work pretty well. It's a little slow, but I think it's meant to be slow, so I don't even hold that against it. And the universe is strong enough that I think it's interesting to go into. The graphics are very attractive. Everything was done well in this game, and I do recommend it. Gladiator School is a business simulator that makes you a slave owner. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I guess exciting is a good word for it. The way it works is that you are in charge of buying a slave and you train him up to be a gladiator. And in order to do that, you need to make sure that he has food, bed, water, shelter, all that normal stuff that you need to provide people with in order to, you know, be a good slave owner if that's a thing. And you also need to have equipment for him to work out with, like a treadmill or, you know, a weight bench or a sparring arena, all of these things. And basically this is a waiting game. This is a simulator in which you're going to spend a hell of a lot of time just sitting there waiting after you set things up. And you've played those types of business simulators before and this one isn't really doing anything new. It's kind of boring to be completely honest. It's not terribly surprising to me because this comes from the exact same developer who made Pro Gamer Manager, which was another sit-and-wait kind of game. So it's not particularly surprising that they decided to do something that was in that same wheelhouse. Is it fun? I personally did not have fun playing it. Because, like I said, I, I just sit here and wait most of the time. And you can even go onto the roster menu and you can turn auto train on. And at that point, you don't even have to tell him what to do during the day. And I can understand once you get, like, you know, a house full of gladiators that you're training, how you would be a lot more busy. But I also read that there's really no reason to do that because players that do have, like, 30, 40 hours in this have said that you can really just put a lot of time and effort into one gladiator, make him your champion. And then you don't need anything else. You, like, you'll just have other gladiators there for no reason, really, because all it takes is one. And I found that sort of disappointing, too, because the, the most fun I think you could have with this game would be if you got really busy and you had a house full of these guys and you got to make sure that they're all well-fed and, and they're all happy and they're all training hard and they're doing well. I didn't really see a reason to do that, and I found that sort of disappointing. You can manually get involved more and tell him to do things. Like, I want you to train right now, and then I want you to go clean up the house and then I want you to go do some carpentry and build some planks so we can build some more stuff. Other than that you're gonna stay on the entire screen the whole time unless you go to the market where you can trade for goods and trade your slaves and then there's the arena which is basically you watching the gladiator that you train fight another gladiator. You just watch them go at it. So basically just make sure that your gladiator is at a higher level than they are and then you'll win. And that's kind of all there is to that. The game is $12. I personally would not pay $12 for it. I think it's more of along the $5 range. There are games that are in this same vein that are sit and wait games that are better than this and have a better UI and more things going on. This one is just too plain. It's too simple. I've seen it before. I have no reason to play it because it's not offering anything new. I can absolutely agree with that. This seems like it's not really a game. There needs to be something in it that you are doing, that you have an effect on, that you can strive for. And it just, this just doesn't seem to have that. 
Star Wars just came out on Friday, and I am so excited, so excited to see this movie. I wasn't able to get to it because every theater has reserved seating, and they're all sold out until next week. That doesn't surprise me. I saw that on the first night of release, it was the second highest grossing film of all time on that particular night. So, yeah, it's really hard to get tickets right now where I live, too, because if you just show up, you're probably not going to get to go in because people have been reserving them before they get there. And on top of that, it used to be a tradition for us. Every time a new Star Wars film would come out when I was a kid, we would go see it. And that was with one, two, and three. And the older I got, we just stopped doing it for some reason. So I guess, you know, maybe it would be a nice for me to go do it again. But the older I get, the less me and my family do that sort of thing. I have seen every single Star Wars in theaters with my dad. We have gone, we've seen them when in, they introduced the re-releases of 4, 5, and 6, the special editions, we went and we saw them in the theaters. When 1, 2, 3 came out, we went and saw them in the theaters. We've seen Rogue One, and we've seen Episode 7. So I'm super excited next week to go see this and watch the new Star Wars movie. I'm very, very excited. Because you know what? Here's the thing. The Empire Strikes Back was the best of the original trilogy. Yeah, I'll agree with that, actually. We don't agree about much on Star Wars, but I agree with that. It is the best one. There's so much good about it, and I'm very excited to go and see the best of the new trilogy, probably, in this one as well. Well, considering it will be the middle one, it probably will be, you know, like the fifth one. I meant the fifth one, not the second one, because the, the original trilogy doesn't exist in my mind. I don't even think about it. We know. I'm, I'm not the original, the new prequel trilogy. Man, I'm getting messed up on my timelines. <laughs> the prequel trilogy doesn't even exist for me. Yeah, I know, and we've had discussions about that, and we've talked about this on another video, and I continue to tell people the same thing. There is too much hate for episodes one, two, and three, simply because people say, well, they're not as good as four, five, and six. They're not as good as the original three. That's fine to feel that way, but don't act as if they're bad movies, because none of the Star Wars films are bad. They're all good movies. I would say there's nothing good about the pod racing film other than the pod racing. I would say you were wrong, because there actually are a lot of things in that film that set up the rest of the entire franchise, even though it happens out of order. The pod racing, the pod racing is there to introduce you to the fact that Anakin has midichlorian counts that rival that of Master Yoda's, and everything in that movie has a reason to be there. No, the whole midichlorian thing, they just gave up on it because they knew it was dumb. They never brought it back again. That's the thing, there's so much dumb stuff there. And the, uh, I will give that Darth Maul is pretty cool, and Duel of the Fates is a super neat song, but bro, the rest of that movie is trash. Just trash. It's so bad, and they shouldn't have had any of it. And the second one was just as bad because, oh, there's sand everywhere, and it just makes me uncomfortable. And then you've got the third one, which is like the first of the prequel trilogy to actually feel kind of Star Warsy, and they just didn't do a good job at it. It was bad, they were all bad, they don't exist, and that's why I'm really, really enjoying these new ones. The second one felt a little too much like C-SPAN to me at points, but other than that I enjoyed that one too, and Episode 3 is an excellent film. 
I will say that they did go a little overboard at the beginning with all the General Grievous stuff. That doesn't really feel very Star Wars to me. But once you get past the first few minutes of 3, it's an excellent film as well. So, I am a fan of Episodes 1, 2, and 3. I'm also a fan of 4, 5, and 6. And you aren't going to hear me pick a side or take sides on it. Because I'm just not that type of fan. I'm just not. I love all of them. You know what? You're a bad person. That's what I've realized. So in the background, you're seeing the companion VR title that just came out. It is called Star Wars Droid Repair Bay, and it is a sponsored game by Nissan. So I'm assuming it's free. It's another example of an advertisement that is a game. It's completely free. It's clearly designed to promote the story of The Last Jedi. It's even called the official virtual reality story of The Last Jedi. Is it worth downloading, do you think? It's free, so yeah, it's worth downloading. I don't have any clue why it has Nissan in here, and it says it's powered by Nissan, but it's definitely not powered by freaking Nissan. Like, Nissan has nothing to do with it, and I'm annoyed that they're involved in this, but I get it, they wanted money and they wanted to give out this free game. Okay, whatever. It's developed by the ILM X-Lab, which is the same people who did Trials on Tatooine, which came out a year ago, and that was the first Star Wars VR game where you got to play with a lightsaber and all of that. And that was really neat. It was a short experience. This is also a short experience. It takes no longer than 10 minutes to get through, and as far as I can tell, nothing really changes. Though there are some trials and there's some challenges and stuff that you get to do so it's worth playing for sure though ultimately it just made me want to go see the movie more i guess that's kind of what it was designed for yeah it sounds like it did its job then if it made you want to go watch the movie seeing this though and i remember watching you talk about the the star wars game from a year ago that you were just talking about which looks super neat to me because lightsabers duh I think in the future there might actually be a really good Star Wars game. Imagine this, you can use the Force in VR. Like imagine Star Wars the Force Star Wars the Force Unleashed VR style. And you get to shoot the lightning, you get to do the Force push and you get to choke people with your hand. You get to carry around the lightsaber. Could you imagine all of that? It just sounds so awesome. Well, you know, Lenovo has a new thing they're coming out with called Star Wars Jedi Challenges, which comes with its own dedicated hardware. So it has its own headset and its own controls, and you go in and you do Force stuff, and you play with the lightsabers, and you even play that, that game that the Wookiee plays on the starship where you've got like the little creatures that are obviously claymation and they have holographics on the board or whatever yeah so you get to do that there's strategic military command stuff that looks really neat it's also two hundred dollars for a single game <sighs> unfortunately i will not be playing it then because i'm just not going to shell out two hundred dollars for one game it's disappointing. No, I mean, it's cool, don't get me wrong, but I also don't like hearing that because it decreases the chances of us getting a game like I just spoke of on the headset that I have or even you have. The neat thing to me is that it's based off of the Windows Microsoft AR headset, the HoloLens. So it actually projects holograms into your real-world space. That's what's so incredibly neat about it. You're combating against Kylo Ren in your living room. And it's actually your living room. That does sound really neat, actually. I did not know that 
it was with the augmented reality technology as well. But still, though, for 200 bucks, that's a lot. But, I mean, all of that stuff excites me, though. I love technology, and I love to hear about that sort of thing because it means that in the future, it's going to be a lot more accessible, and it may not be $200. You might actually, you know, before I die, certainly be able to, to stand in the living room and said, fight Kylie Ren or fight Ray, hopefully. I'm just kidding. I'm not a Sith Lord. Either way, it's a bunch of neat stuff, and I'm excited to hopefully... Uh, get sent it to try out wink 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 lenovo oh yes yes wink wink and i'm also going to go see the movie later this week and then i'll tell you how good it is because i'm sure you won't be seeing it for several weeks are you going to watch it in imax i am watching it in imax that is a very good idea because imax is basically like vr movies so i would say go for it let me know what your thoughts are on star wars don't post any spoilers or I'll have to delete it because, you know, I don't want to see them. In fact, I'm probably just going to have Brax delete them all so that I don't even have to see if there is a spoiler. Just don't spoil things. Don't be that guy, please. Please. But let me know what you think about the new Star Wars. Let me know if you've played any of the new Star Wars games. I know there's a lot of them coming out. There's even an X-Wing one on the PSVR now, so maybe Brax will be able to get to try that out because I sure can't. Yeah, I definitely will. And I'll laugh at you because you can't play it. <laughs> and apparently it's the best VR for Star Wars that's ever been made. And it's on PSVR. It's the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter or whatever. Looks really, really neat. Score for PSVR. We're winning. If you like this video, please go ahead and leave us a like. Or also, you could share it. Because sharing is way better than liking. Sharing is caring. I dig that you like the video, but if you show it to other people, they might like it too. So, like... Your like could be 10 likes instead. It's, it's just pure math. It's exponential growth. If you did like it, though, go ahead and watch another one up there in the corner. And as always, may the force be with you.